Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller. I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. In this episode, we're talking about the high cost of being healthy. I mean, cost is just one of the primary deterrents many people cite for pursuing healthy living. I mean, buying whole foods and nutritional supplements, exercising and the cost for gym memberships and uh, exercise equipment, seeking alternative health care, especially. I mean, these cost so much more than the norm, and they can often lead people to minimizing or abandoning the effort altogether. And then there's the time expense. It's just as much of an issue, maybe more for a lot of us, of working out every day and grocery shopping and cooking and just the planning of it. It's not convenient, and time is money. It can all be overwhelming and demoralizing in an already busy lifestyle. I mean, when it comes to fast food and processed foods, I find a lot of people, they'd be willing to eat healthier, but it just takes more time. So what do you do? In this episode, I'm joined by Randy James, medical doctor, functional medicine expert, and my dear friend to talk about this issue with empathy and also some helpful perspectives and solutions to help you on your journey and desire for health amidst, again, the increased cost of time and money. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, let us know. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts is a great place to do it. And tell us about this episode, what your thoughts were. Let other people know. Best thing you can do, talk about what you heard with someone else. This is one that you may want to talk about with your family or your spouse or your significant other as you try to do this together. You can always find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. Randy James and I talk about this really important issue, weighty issue of the increased cost and time of pursuing our health and wellness. All right, so a great time to talk about the expense of healthy living, healthy lifestyles. We just finished our lunch, leftovers from last night's home-cooked, whole food meal, and uh, the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real. <laughs> I feel it. It is. Well, and so for, uh, yeah, candor here, I mean, this is a lot. We've spent so many years, Randy, both of us talking about, I mean, we, the, the benefit of it all is our health. Obviously that should be the best benefit, but it's a struggle knowing that compared to our friends, our family, the culture that we're spending, uh, on average, more time, more money to be healthy. And that should be the reward in itself though. You and I uh, have also talked to it. It's frustrating. There is no benefit financially out there. Usually if you're responsible, healthy in certain areas of your life, you get a benefit like your you know, car insurance, you drive safer, you get better car insurance here. It's just an added expense because your health insurance doesn't go down lower. Now we have worked on an alternative with medical cost sharing. That's at truelifeprotect.com. Anybody can go check that out. Uh, but still in the general culture, you don't get a benefit. It is just all an extra expense of time and money uh, on top of what we all feel like is already an expensive life. Right. And like you said, it would, it would be nice if we all lived according to an ideal, mm -hmm. right? We do this for our health. We do it because it's right. Um, and then it just costs what it costs and on you go. But life is life. And 
it the fact that it costs not just money but cost time and effort and we are living in a culture where time and effort are continually distracted towards other things some of them are also very good things and so it, it today's going to be a good show because this is getting to the heart of the issue yeah and and, and we are going to speak directly to today we are all living here today it just turned 2020 and we're all living here and that's what's relevant and we just have to deal with what it is so it doesn't change that fact today's fact to go back in time but i do think for the relevance of perspective just as we talk with so many things uh we're in a goofy time you know, even like the idea of exercise, we talked about that in one of the episodes before our grandparents or great grandparents, they didn't have to exercise. Life was exercise. Right. They had to move to exist today. We oddly in this short span of time, we've now come to a place where we don't have to move for the most part to exist. So to be healthy, we have to manufacture it artificially through exercise that because you were talking about the expense of time and money on food back. Give that story real quick for perspective. Right, thinking about time and money that people spent in the past yeah. on food. And so the way, and of course I always answer your questions through a clinical lens, and uh, <clears throat> I think this was through the works of Michael Pollan uh, back when I was first learning things, but to, to be very brief, if you go back to the 1800s, 1700s, and just think about how much time and money and effort in America the average family it took them to procure enough food for their table. So 90% agrarian. Most people are on the farm in, in, in some capacity. Cities are small. And so when you think about it, you know, most of your time and effort is to put food on the table. And it's the small extra bit. And families would save up for decades for a child's wedding or one bar of chocolate a year or or those kinds of things. And, uh, and then smart people full of ingenuity came along and said, you know what, we can make chocolate cheaper and we can make it easier to get. And, and the Industrial Revolution came along, so uh, people started to have more free time. And back then, so the estimates are, you know, maybe 50 to 70% of your time and effort, your money was spent on food. Mm-hmm. And that's probably up through World War II. So that was an agrarian-based society, much different in the early 1900s. But then we get more data after World War II, so 1950s and 60s. And even back then, kind of what I, w- I think about as sort of the Betty Crocker generation. You know, our moms were growing up as young high school women being taught by their moms how to bake a cake and how to make breakfast. And still, the average family was spending... Averagely, you know, 20, 25% of the family's income was going towards their food budget. And so then I'll always ask a patient and say, well, what do you estimate that today the average household income's percentage-wide budget goes towards their food? And then it's always very surprising. People kind of estimate whatever, but it's as low as 6 to 10%. So now we're at 90% disposable income that goes to stuff and and of course we have the different requirements like transportation and things like that um but then when we think of eating healthy is so much more expensive it really is about the same as it has been over time if you think about paying for price per nutrient but then when you get the idea of hey we've got a whole lot of food that can be produced really cheaply 
Now you can fill your belly cheaply, but the price per nutrient, it, you know, you have a full belly, enough calories, and, and then when you and I think about well-being over time, that's the problem. Well, and it, that brings me back, and I've talked about this. My, I was a pro cyclist who had no, I was incredibly ignorant about nutrition. And all right, did, you ate on the white aisle. I ate on the white <laughs> generic aisle at Safeway in Fort Collins, Colorado. And it was, the only point was fill your belly, man. We just went out and rode a hundred miles, fill your belly, which we would uh, do. And you could do it cheap, processed crap food with very little nutrients. And I now see in retrospect, that's why my results were so sporadic because it would be the weekend where we happened to stay with a host family and we had a good home cooked meal and I won the race. And the next weekend we're eating ramen noodles in a hotel before the race. And I did poorly. I had no correlation. So I love the way that you put that to today. We have, uh, yeah, we're comparing ourselves. If we were comparing ourselves uh, to the, to the whole foods that our grandparents or great grandparents or whatever ate the price for food, obviously accounting for, uh, um, inflation, uh, inflation uh-huh. is the same. We're, we're screwed up by the fact that there's now this cheap processed junk food that we can fill our belly, but we're not getting the nutrients. And of course we can see the results of that here in America is we are sicker and fatter. I don't know if there's a more direct correlation than that right there. And now come back to the other piece of it that you um, uh, hit on a little bit it, uh, with the time aspect, we're spending less time that we're also led by, we know this culturally here in America, especially we're led by taste and convenience. I don't know that we need to hit taste. I mean, if you're not aware that you can cook really healthy food that tastes good, maybe that's another discussion. You can do that. That's possible. I know your kids may moan and groan if they're used to Mac and cheese, but, um, maybe that's another topic that we need to hit at another time is just the lifestyle of healthy eating. But this, if we're talking about the, you know what? That is a cost. I wasn't going to go there, but that is a cost when you're trying to take your family from not oh. as good food into healthier food. The cost is the pushback yeah. from, and the, probably the worst ones are husbands and kids. Yes. They're I mean, going, you categorically, know, I can say, again, through my lens of experience here, that um, it is much more often a, a wife who is really trying to yeah. make changes and pull the family in a certain direction, and she gets pushback from a meat and potatoes husband yep. and just doesn't want to change and won't Gosh. eat his vegetables. So that's a category I didn't have planned for this show. There's that, the, the emotional cost. Emo- that's, that's a good way to put it. The emotional cost that I think... I'm paying more emotional cost in my family than you are for whatever reason. I'm getting more pushback from, uh, from kids than, than other families. I, I can only you know, judge my own family, but it is an emotional cost. In fact, Marcy and I were just talking the other day. We've got to make a decision for a, a young teenager. We either, we either keep nagging him in an ineffective way or we let him go and say, You've, you make the decision and I'm going to let it go. Or I need to teach harder. I, that, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and let's go into the, gosh, yeah, how reticent, uh, or I'm reticent that we um, did, didn't cover this initially in our thought process because the emotional costs, culturally, societal costs, because we're talking about it with, yeah, what's yeah. the cost when you decide to, for the women who are listening to this, which is going to be primary on this health aspect. We know that from the practice, that it's more women that come in. Sometimes they finally get their husband to come in here. But for whoever it is who's leading the charge here, even if it's the couple together to get your kids, there's the emotional cost there. There's the emotional cost cost culturally. Culturally. When you go to Thanksgiving dinner and it's the normal 
fair of brown items uh, out there, or if you're if you're vegetarian, gluten free, whatever, the emotional cost to deal with that for your kids. We've both experienced this with our kids, even our kids who are bought into the healthy lifestyle to go to school and you know not eat that food to bring your own food, and it's hummus and a tuna steak and a and your not, friends are eating lunchables. You know, it's, it's in Oreo cookies. It's a good, there's a good, it, and we're in an age of bullying, man. There's a good place to be teased right there. We happen to have, thank goodness, some, you know, some, or at least our boys, they're big and athletic. <laughs> I don't think they mind that, but it still is a, it's here's a, a Here's another cultural cost is, is us going to grandparents' house. Yeah. And the grandparents want to have fun. And, uh, you know, so my kids associate grandparents' house with the soda. I was going to say sugar. It's man. sugar. Bring and on the sugar. Spoil the grand, just, grandkids. Right. It's mm-hmm. And is it worth the pushback even you know, to your parents or to the kids? And I don't know, right? You can't come down with a hard and fast black and white. It depends in every certain – but there's an emotional cost. Emotional cost. Well, and, and we would be uh, – I think I misused the word reticent earlier, but I can use it here. Oh, we'd, be, uh, we'd be missing out if we didn't mention Dan Butner's book, The Blue Zones, because he talks about this and what he ultimately says – is the healthiest people come from these areas and the way that the thing that makes them the healthiest is they're in a community, community of health. Yeah. You so everybody's I, doing the same. Yeah. Thing. And you and I, I, we are, we live in a bubble up here in the Rocky mountains. We do have a lot of health conscious people. Um, I mean, gosh, we're best friends. Our, our kids are our friends and it's no different when they eat at each other's homes and even talking about, you know, I, I'm grateful that my you know, the parents on both sides are more health conscious. Uh, but to be sensitive to those of you who are out there who find yourselves on a journey to eat healthy, to have your family eat healthy, you can become incredibly isolated and the social pressures we have found are, are sometimes the deal killers. Well, and I can even comment on that. I I would say as, as people are thinking through this in their own families, um, honestly, if there's, if you're trying to influence children, kids, 13 to 17, I would almost caution you to push hard there because it, it most always pushes the kids away. But 18 to 25, sometimes it's, it's kind of cool to be the vegan at the table. It's kind of cool to bring in some weird and different food. You know, you can sort of, sort of be, a, you know, now you're stepping into your own. That was my experience in medical school. I was 26 and I was, you know, I was trying to be different and, Bring in weird food. No, it's you're spot on. I hadn't thought about it at all because, as you know, I've got kids from age what seven to twenty five now, and it motivates my middle school age kids uh, because it's cool to their siblings. Who you're totally right. I mean, we've got you know I've got girls living in different cities in Colorado, man, in health. I mean, we're they're they're cool. They're they're way cool. Uh They're they're way cool. You're right, and that helps that. So talking now to the person who's listening in suburbia, Detroit, somewhere, who has one middle school kid, who now you want to bring them and try to help. You know, my my thought would be, you know, do what you can at home to inspire them, expose them to cool people who are eating. Uh, healthfully to athletes there's so much out there on social media and videos that you can see of this and maybe, you know, do the best you can for breakfast and dinner and at lunch, let them have a lunch, but whatever. Cause if you wreck them, like you, I, I appreciate what you said. If you force this down their throat and make them rebel the other way, you're not getting any, we're getting it. This is like a parenting talk it's now, the, but it, it, it goes back to the cost Okay, for parents and you and I, this yeah. is probably the main thing we talk about in 
various situations of how kids are interpreting what we're saying and, and we're worried we're going to sort of break our kids and yet we're also confident that we love, we care, we nurture for them and they're going to do what they're going to do. But in, in this area, so when I've had kids who have been patients. So I was just going to go there. Yeah. By the time, so, well, I'll tell you back in my old life when I was just doing kind of uh, normal primary care, honestly, I wasted my breath. Like, I remember one young woman in particular, and I just I laid it out. I was like, "Here it is. It's kind of black and white. Eat this. That's what's causing your problem." And and the social cost was too high. She says, "I'm not going to change." I'm like, "Okay." And the mom kind of looked at me like, "Do your job. Change my daughter. Yeah. You need. Would you tell her to?" <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm like, "No." But now. Every kid, and by kid I mean you know thirteen to eighteen, who comes in is remarkably mature, remarkably well spoken, and I and I and I start off the time by saying like even to to one of your kids, I'd say, okay, look, I'm going to talk to you like you're 24. Yeah, I'm going to expect you to be able to understand this. Now you're going to go home, and you guys are going to have your own meal plan and this and that and the other, but don't look at your mom to make your choices for you. She can't nag you into this right thing. This has got to be from you. And, of course, by the time they're here with me, their pain level is high enough. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to do something. Well, my older kids have shared – well, no, they've had their friends over to our home who have shared that, that they are – uh, pursuing health, and yet it's so hard in their homes where their parents are not. Uh, yeah, which is but that's at the collegiate level. Uh, usually, yeah, it was late high Fair. school collegiate. Okay. It, it was it was <laughs> it was rare, and uh, it gosh. And conversely, of course, we see that uh, we mo- much more often see the couple who have gotten on a health kick now and they're getting fit and trim, but they don't then relate it to their kids, probably back again to the cost, the cost. emotionally. So they let the kids live on beanie weenies and mac and cheese and whatever fast food and stuff while they're doing it. I and had one guy, I got to interrupt yeah, here because yeah. he, he was a doc. So he was not a patient, but as a, as a friend and you know, he wanted to lose weight and, and I'm like, man, you look great. What, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I just quit eating what the kids eat. Oh my gosh. And I, I yeah. just was you know, the, the wind was taken out of me. I'm like, what are you feeding your kid? They're your kids. The, the building blocks of these kids' brain cells that he's saving to send them to college with, and he's feeding them with yeah, beanie wings, hot pockets. <laughs> well, okay. So, the man, I'm, I, how, I love these shows. We tend to come to more, um, more wisdom, I think, than what we even plan out. So there you go, a big emotional cost. But I do want to hit directly the money and the time and some ways to deal with that. And as we talked about before the show, as we were, we're just kind of looking at the overall here, we are talking about when you look at the average, I'm going to speak, I know people are listening around the world of this show, but I, I can speak to America and I know it relates unfortunately to more and more cultures. When you look at the average cultural fair, uh, you know, food that, uh, food exercise, whatever lifestyle that people are, are living and you decide I want more. I want better performance out of myself. I want less symptoms and you're going to eat, you know, quote healthier, kind of like back they did back that they used to more so that what is the cost? And as we talked about, it is a reorienting your life. And the analogy that came to me is when you're a newlywed or, you know, a couple and uh, you go a year, you go five years, whatever, and you get pregnant 
your life. You, you have will nine reorient. months to reorient your life and you're going to reorient your finances, your work schedule, who even has a job or continues a job or not. You're going to re- reorient your expenses to afford X, Y, Z. I mean, for me, we had, you know, home, uh, I had half of them at home burst and we paid out of pocket. I mean, there's a lot of reorienting. I think they say the average kid through the lifetime now costs, I don't know, $200,000, something right. like that. I mean, you're going to re and you're going to do it period. Uh, and when people end up on their deathbed or have a heart attack and are told, man, you're going to die. If you don't change, they will reorient your life. But we're talking now proactively saying, I want more. And it is a reorientation. So you're not going to hear us in this show talking about the cost, trying to minimize it necessarily or equal it out. It is a greater cost now for a better return. Uh, right. I think we'll all be happy when we're not having dementia at age 65 or the inability to walk upstairs. Well, so it would be fair if we could somehow look at the age span or health span of a life and say, okay, from 20 to 80, what's the cost of living well in each of those years, right? Versus the way we are living right now Mm -hmm. is we have this low cost approach to 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, in the way we eat and we don't spend much time and effort and energy down that pathway, but a superlatively high cost to pay for the consequences. Mm -hmm. When we look at the number one gross domestic product of $3.7 trillion in 2019 of, of what we're paying for the consequences. And if we could step back and say, well, wait a minute, if each person paid into a more nutrition, better nutrition, better exercise, better shoes, better sports, better whatever, and less, therefore, into their insurance costs and healthcare costs or whatever over the course of from 20 to 80, those 60 years, I think it would be hands down a much lower cost. Well. With a higher, you feel better anyway and, and all of those things. Yeah. You know, you know, talking about the cost of it, I almost had this perspective, Randy, of, of we tend to live culturally like we are renting our bodies and we just Ooh, do what's necessary. Good. We pay the rent. We don't worry about the utilities and the we foundation. We drive our car like it's a rental car. Like a rental car. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And this is akin to saying, wait a minute, I am going to buy a car. I'm going to Care buy this thing, a home. Make it last 50 years. I am because I don't want the hot water heater to go mm-hmm. out. I don't want the foundation to crumble. Mm-hmm. I don't want whatever. And it is a taking responsibility for that, which is what we, I, I mentioned our alternative health insurance product, uh, true life protect it's, it's medical cost sharing. And it's built around that. Those people who want to understand that they're responsible for their health, want to live a healthier life. They're a lower risk. They should pay less. And that's what the point is. This isn't a promotion for that. Well, yeah, it is, but that wasn't the point, but it is of saying these are for those who are not out here acting like they're renting. Yeah, that's probably a good title there. Maybe a book or something. I know this is, I like it. You're, uh, you're living life like you're driving a rental car. Gosh. Yeah. It, treating your body. Yeah. Well, and you know, we were just on a trip where we had a rental car and it was so true. You know, we went on this hike and everybody's muddy and I'm like, ah, it's a rental car. <laughs> Just I do in. notice I'll, I'll accelerate a little faster, break a little faster. That's terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. Never Shame had a us. rental car company. <laughs> well, so let's, let's talk about the literal money dollars in hand, because we know that, I mean, you talked about that, you know, one of the biggest deterrents for people becoming patients at your practice, which is a cash pay out of pocket is the cost of, you know, health, health care that they're already spending primarily health insurance, but, but the deterrent for a healthy lifestyle, healthy choices is 
the cost or, or even we'll even say the perceived cost of that. So here I am living my life. We can say this is time and money. I currently spend this much time on food for our family, for myself, for our family, this much time, this much money. And now you're asking me to spend more, which, which the answer generally is, is yes. Mm -hmm. re reorienting around a goal. But when we look at money, uh, so we talked about this, frankly. So right now you, you got three kids, you, you, your wife, three kids. And I don't know, I didn't do the research to figure out what would the average family of five pay for food in America, whatever that is include, I'm going to, so the grocery budget you have, but I'm also going to include nutritional supplements because you do that. Cause you believe that we, we need those these days. Right. With the idea that our industrial farming practices have now reduced available nutrients. And that's a debatable statement. I think you've got, you it's, know, science people on both sides, but let's just say uh, that there's good evidence that yes. Well, it's even, debatable, but you're doing it. I, well, so I'm, I'm going to say you right. as the yeah. doctor are, uh -huh. are practicing what you preach. So you do, you feel like even with the effort that you guys go to, to buy whole foods, to, to cook at home, to have great ingredients, you're still not getting what you need. So you do add nutritional supplements. So get, so to add that cost in, I don't know what, are you spending 25% more, 50% more, 75% more than you could to fill your bellies? Uh, we oh, don't know. well to think about it like that. So we were just talking about it and I have been thinking and talking with patients along the lines of not a dollar amount, but more a percentage of household budget amount. Yeah. Right. And so our household budget, if we're around 20%, and maybe even 22, 23, if you throw in the, in the supplements, um, and how much more, what would that be? I think if, if compared to, if we said, you know, if a, a night out meant Taco Bell, as opposed to where we would normally go, then I'm going to say half, Yeah, at, at least half. So, you know, a very large chunk as we as I'm thinking about the budget would be like, holy cow. So other people out there, if they're thinking, you mean I've got to double what I'm spending in order to, quote unquote, eat healthier. And sometimes that can be so daunting, it, it just stops people in their tracks right there. And I would say, no, don't think like that. It's a process. So a reorientation means that, and the analogy I use is that it's like we're driving this great big boat through the ocean called our lives. And it's not a little speedboat. It's, it's a great big boat. And when you say, hey, I want to go left, you might turn the wheel fully left, but the turn is months or years mm -hmm. in accomplishing the turn to go west over here. Um, and and that, you, that you can't let it be so daunting, but you begin the process, you reorient, and yes, it will cost more. Well, and some, so some of it, let's talk about the cost because we were talking, you know, before the show about price per, per nutrient to some aspects. So on a given day, if you and I, let's take you and I as an example, and we both need, you know, however much nutrients, yeah. 10 of we, these we, we need, four those. we need a bucket full <laughs> of this nutrition to be well and healthy and at our best. So if we go over here and buy that nutrition and those nutrients in whole foods, uh, you know, vegetables, whole grains, you know, good meats, whatever, uh, fruits, and, and we buy really good stuff. We're going to buy that, that bucket full. If we come over here, well, that bucket full, and we want to, you know, we all want to fill, fill our bellies and feel full. We come over here and we buy 
The standard American diet. The standard American diet. There's the question. You know, does it cost? So we like to think through the lens of the price per nutrient. And and this, as we were talking before the show, it, it can get confusing because the bottom line is nobody really can define price per nutrient. So in general, and I just got done saying, hey, it's going to be more expensive. But again, if you have the long view, mm-hmm. because... You can fill your belly, let's just use the word a dollar, at a dollar uh, from a dollar menu, and you're now full and satiated, and you've had lunch, and you're like, okay, I feel full. Or, and, but in, for a dollar, let's say you got 10 cents worth of real nutrients over the course of your life. Or you come over here and buy Whole Foods for a dollar, and maybe it's even less food, but you got 50 cents worth of nutrients. nutrients yeah. your, your reorientation has to generally be thinking you are going to be satisfied with smaller meals and meals that cost more from a dollar-wise perspective, but the price per nutrient is going to be better when you take the long view. Yeah. And... That, as I changed from my, you know, young years to, you know, kind of our, my big change was probably 15 to 30. So, you know, being the normal, I eat fast food every day in high school. We had an open lunch. It was every day yeah. for three years to when I'm 30, graduating from medical school and, and have solidly changed my life. I'm buying food in a way different way. Um, and that, you know, that's a 15-year change in mindset and habits and all of those things. Um without thinking about the price per nutrients thing, but over here, I think one of the things I struggle with the most is not feeling full. And that, but, and that's a mindset. I just, I'm well, working on that. Well, in that, you know, I can think about my teenage boys and they can sit there and take a, a, we don't necessarily do junk cereal, but even like a rice puffs or something, not a whole lot of, there's a lot of air in there and they can just shovel bowls of that and we use almond milk, you know, but they can just shovel bowls of that in. How much dollars worth? It was, it was kind of a lot. Over here, I can buy a more expensive cereal like a whole grain uh, granola, which you got to watch out if anybody's hearing that because the granolas so often have an incredibly high sugar content. Uh, best way is to make your own. But so whether I made my own or I you know, bought an expensive, healthy one over here, they eat far less because it's denser. It has more nutrients and then it lasts longer because over here on the on the crap cereal side they eat that kind of get filled up and 45 minutes later they're they want to eat snack. again yeah with a good healthy you know nutrient rich uh, granola cereal whatever it sustains them longer so there you're playing with the numbers so for us to say somebody you know how's it going to f- work out financially kind of depends on where you're at now i mean how much over here on the processed uh, cheap food are you right now uh, as opposed That's- to yeah, that's yeah. right. If somebody is used to spending, you know, if they're in the 6% of household budget and we're saying, well, you need to go to 10, mm-hmm. whew, that feels like a super steep kind of a thing. And we see that point blank. So if you're right now eating the cheapest chicken out there, the antibiotic GMO, you know, that the worst stuff out there that, that is, it's, it's getting worse all the time. It's really bad. And you come over here and say, okay, I'm going to match that pound for pound with a wild caught coho salmon. You're going to spend, I, I, it's yeah, multiple times, m- quadruple the amount. And how do we reconcile that? I mean, that is just, you're doing it for your health and wellness well, and performance. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll also say a couple things there. If we use your son as, as one example, who's mm-hmm. in his growth spurt, he's got, you know, 
an empty leg that he has to fill, so to speak. And our culture says, oh, yeah, growing boy, mm-hmm. you know, just pound it down. And much of that is carbohydrate. So, mm-hmm. right, because you just he, – he doesn't eat bowl after bowl of broccoli, but if it's rice, he, he, he would. Yeah. And so part of the learning process is to come over here and to also see that – The body is not meant to be all, you know, a carbohydrate-based society, which is what we're in. Yes, you, the young growing boy who's athletic and all that kind of stuff can do that. But look at what our society is doing, at what that equals by the time he's 30, Mm -hmm. if he continues that process. But if you come over here, and so you would need to eat a fourth less meat compared to what you're used to if you did the switch from chicken to salmon. Uh, yeah, theoretically, okay. right? A fourth less. And you would therefore need to eat that much more. And I would say not rice and corn and uh, beans, but broccoli. Yeah. And there we, you know, it, we know this. It is more filling in the belly. It does last longer. It breaks down slower. And that physiologic process is what he should be accustoming his body to. Well, and even just to hit the rice, you know, can we do a better rice than the flat out white rice? Can we do a little bit better step up? With, with doing your, your browns and your wild grains and those kind of things. costs a little more. Same thing with bread. We, for the most part, don't do uh, gluten bread, but some of the gluten-free bread is full of crap. So we'll do, uh, we do some of the sprouted stuff. It costs so much. So we're, we try to limit it. Uh, and what I, you know, we've joked around about, you know, one of my favorite meals is the steel-cut oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Well... You can buy a bucket full of that stuff if you get it at wholesale and, and all of that. But, you know, then you got to work to spruce it up and, and, and make it okay. But if the kids are used to Quaker Oats, instant apple cinnamon, something or other, mm-hmm. and you're switching them over to this, that it's part of the reorienta- reorientation of the brain and switching people over to that pathway and choosing to be satisfied with it. And now, and this is where you can, we get on slippery slope of judgment and, and things like that. But there is some aspect. It is frustrating to hear sure. from people who say, I'd like to eat healthier, but they talk about the cost and then to see what kind of car they're driving, what latest iPhone they have, the amount that they spend on entertainment, the amount that they spend out to eat, which is generally, unless you're, you know, if you're not eating at the fast food dollars, whatever meal, and you're going to a decent place, that expense is higher. That's greater than, I, I mean, I can't, I, we don't do it for my well, family. The expense right, compared is, to the eating at home. Yeah, sure. I mean, because we're not going to go to, to, to eat junk. So if we're going to eat the decent food, the amount is exorbitant. And, you know, price per head goes way up. So, we, you know, so again, we got to look at that reorientation. What is it worth? What's our performance now and long-term uh, worth? What are the symptoms we're willing to deal with? What's the performance we want for us, for our kids? And uh, hopefully, you know, generally we can find, it's like Dave Ramsey. He says, you, you can find money for the things that are important to you, but you may need to give it up on something over here and you have to decide where your value is. Well, that is a, is a big one in our culture and becoming bigger mm-hmm. as we get more and more disposable time, disposable income, then, and you insinuate to people that, Hey, maybe you need to be spending, you know, 15 or 20% of your budget on these other things. Right. It, it can come across judgmental. And, and so we're trying not to, but the reality is, is that over the course of human history, we're in this weird little microcosm of way abnormal compared to the way food procurement and living has been in the past where it took much more of our time and money to, to simply stay alive. Yeah. And, um, 
in fact, I, I'm remembering one of, of, of the patients that, that you know as, as well, and, and her story was when, you know, and this is a family up here in Colorado, and they had their goats, and they had their whatever, and they were kind of a, a but they, you know, both husband and, and wife worked in IT. Mm-hmm. So, but then they sort of got hit with symptoms, and they made the switch, and they're like, we're going to do whatever it takes. And so um, the mom, the wife, she, she made the decision, and and she made everything. And and the story I'm I'm remembering is that when the other ladies at school, we were going to the same elementary school, and they're like, "Well, wait a minute! You prepare every meal. Like, it's just every single meal, like Monday through Sunday, mm-hmm. so three meals a day, twenty-one meals a week. Snacks. You prepare that. You don't buy anything." And she's like, "Yes, that's that's incredible." That's yeah, <laughs> they're back to the blue zones and the community and the bubble that you're in. What if we were all doing that? We're not in that now. And yet you and I just went through the holidays doing that. I had 10 to 15 people at my house for a month. They're still not all gone yet. And, uh, and we cook and every single meal. I mean, the, I know a couple of days before Christmas, my wife and I went out and we bought $900 worth of food from three different places, you know, and we're buying the coho salmon. I mean, we're not, we can't get ourselves to buy the crap, but I realize the cost. And again, I just don't say that all flippantly. It is a reorientation. You know, I did want to say one thing though, just on the cost of food that when we look at, and, and I, you may have to correct me here, but I don't know that anybody's going to go wrong changing half of every meal or half their diet to, to fruits and vegetables. That right there, you talk about countercultural. I mean, we have more and more people these days who they themselves or their kids don't eat vegetables. But, but but wait, so that's one of the, I'm not going to correct you. I'm going to correct everybody because everybody says, here's the phrase, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables. Uh-huh. And here's what happens. They eat more fruit. Okay. So I would agree with you and just keep the word fruit out of there. Okay. That half your plate is vegetables. Is vegetables. Uh, no, gr- okay. Granted. So if, if you did that though. I mean, vegetables don't cost that much. Those, are, those aren't on the health and wellness scale. We're not talking about a coho salmon. I mean, uh, broccoli and co- sometimes I'm, I'm surprised that it is that cheap. Broccoli, right. cauliflower, beans, I mean, asparagus and Brussels sprouts and stuff that we love. And I'm thankful that my kids have grown to love those things. Those are not expensive. And if that, and knowing that that should be, I mean, there's half your meal. So yeah, boys load it up, have as much uh, as you want. You make them taste good. They'll eat them. That's, and we, we joke about that and I, you know, even on any of these diets that people are doing, you know, do, do we go vegan or vegetarian or keto or, or low grain or whatever else? I have never counseled somebody to reduce their broccoli. <laughs> that's, that's funny. You know, you know, for those who, out there who have kids, especially, you know, kids, kids of age to be involved or interested in athletics, I'm not going to endorse the, the documentary or the, or the film overall. Um, but it's a neat motivator for kids. It's a new, uh, recently a uh, one called game changers. Mm-hmm. Have you even seen it? I know you mm-hmm. know about it. Yeah. Game changers. And it talks, it's really a vegetarian uh, or vegan, even uh, advocate type film. And, be that as may, it's pretty motivating just to see cool people out there, athletes and people like Arnold Schwarzenegger who are now going away from a meat-based diet. And the kids were stoked to see it at least. And again, you can, we're not here espousing that you should be vegetarian or you should be vegan. But the point even there though, was whole foods. They don't, they didn't say, Hey, I'm vegan. I only eat, you know, Cheerios, Cheerios <laughs> or burritos from Taco Bell. It's that doesn't cut it either. Well, so, so let's hit the time uh, aspect of it, Randy. Cause I think if you, you know, we do have people 
Uh, it seems like in America, especially more and more have disposable income. And so maybe the price of the uh, dollar amount isn't so much, but we have a culture that we know this, that dietarily we are driven by taste and by convenience. Convenience has got to be one of the biggest nutritional killers that's out there. And this is 100% I'm going to, what do you think? It is not convenient. I don't have any justification on that to say, to, to compare this to that. It is, it takes more time. Right. And according to Michael Pollan, again, uh, convenience trumps taste. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, that you will. And I think everybody will go, no way, man. I, I just only eat what I like. And that is actually wrong. And many studies huh. have been demonstrated to, or have demonstrated that people will eat what's in front of them to clean up the table or whatever. It's very convenient. It's an arm's reach away, and you don't even really want it, right? So the, the taste is not a factor there. It's just convenience, uh, and convenience will trump what taste because it is it's true. easy. I, do. I mean, I've done it too, where all the have. food's there. You're at the place of business, or you're at whatever. They got food available, and, ah, you know, I just, I'll fill up on that. And you're right. I didn't think about it. That's interesting. I didn't know that was an actual... So, Stat. so where I would go on, on this one is, is to overlay the mindfulness here that if you simply become more mindful, more aware of what you are actually eating and why you are actually choosing this and come out a little bit of the raw habit, convenience, and, and simply put some thought into it, you will do better. Just right away, you'll do better. That, mm-hmm. and, and that is... By definition, that's inconvenient because what convenient means is it just rolls, it flows, no it's effort. habit. No less, effort. Less effort, yeah. Well, and we are all humans, and so you know the pathway of least resistance tends to be what we do. And so we, you know, once, once or twice you stop in at Starbucks, and pretty soon every morning it's like, you know, I'm justified this $3 thing. And then uh, I say that because a patient had said, yeah, my breakfast is black coffee and egg white Starbucks. That's what I do every day. Okay, it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not cheap. It's not good. It's not whatever. There are better ways to do it, uh, but to make a change from that means you will lose that easy, convenient kind of thing that you do, and it'll have to be applied in a different way. Well, and on that, I mean, you and I both have families and the amount of effort and hassle. I'm going to say it's a hassle to it's worth it. Obviously or wouldn't do it. Well, wouldn't you, you, the amount of hassle that you feel right now is less than when you started that it's a different kind of convenience. You are very good now at your shopping pattern. I, I am. I'm better than I used to be, but I, and I'm probably still affected though by culturally knowing that my gosh, everybody else is just running and gunning and we're the time that we spend, you know, it would be easier if I lived in a place where everybody uh, was like that, but to think about, okay, what are the kids going to eat? that's healthy for breakfast, especially if they're going to school and they're rushed, what are we going to send them with for lunch? And then now after a long day, we're going to go home. Do we have the ingredients that we need? And yes. we're going to, how much time to cook that food and to put something in the instant pot and to boil that and to bake that and to chop that and to cut that. And then afterwards, oh my gosh, the amount of pots and pans that have to be cleaned and I understand the overwhelmedness of that. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you've got two working parents, busy kids that are involved in, in things. It is and culturally again, that's what our culture 
does is working families, busy kids, and you know it's food on the go. I'd say I, I am I am top of the line master chef of a of pretty good food in a short amount of time, but man, it is not as convenient as picking up food or fast food or pulling something out of the freezer and do it. Yeah, yesterday I worked a long day. It was one of the days where my wife was uh, down in the springs and she's working there, and so I picked kids up early. It's the same time as you. We both left it ended our work days at three, went and got kids, and then went home and I started in on dinner uh, for. I don't know how many people we had eight, eight or nine last night there. And it was tuna steak and rice that was in the instant pot. And when it was done, I did cauliflower in the instant pot. And actually that was it. Three items and a lot of them. Do you have two instant pots or did you? Take no, I did. Well, I, I, I keep meaning to, and I keep forgetting, but no, I did the rice ahead of time, pulled it out and then put the cauliflower in there. I, I just, I like the instant pot. I like how it does pretty much everything, but man, again, the time. And then there's all the dishes that you know, we, Task those to the kids uh, to do, but it's Here's, you know I another get... one of the time things, and I, I don't think you guys spend time, but Marcy and I every Sunday we have that very frustrating conversation that she instigates. What do you want to eat this week? You yeah no we don't do that. You guys plan ahead, and so you go through the Sunday frustration of it. We just. Spread that out, <laughs> spread that out over going, holy crap, do we have enough to make anything here? Okay, kids, we're eating cans of beans tonight because uh, we didn't go out and get stuff. And yeah, that, and there's the thing with money. Sometimes it's not even the money. I've literally told kids, I'm like, I don't mind my older kids that they come home and decimate, you know, 10 avocados. And I'm like, man, I don't mind that you ate those. I can afford it, but now they're gone and I don't have them for meal right meal. now. Right. And again, we're back to that thing of, I don't have a fridge stocked with a bunch of junk to go. We, we don't live somewhere where we can order, you know, delivery and well, there's no place in town where no, we're going to get right. healthy food for everybody for less than 200 bucks. And, uh, man, the, the convenience side, and, that, and we're talking about just food now, cause let's, I don't also want to miss the amount of time. How about the morning or daily exercise? How about the kids' sports activities? How about the adventures we take them on instead of, you know, seeing a movie, take them on a, a hike and orienting our lives, uh, health-wise it flat out takes more just that what's the effort to you know slip on a family movie which i absolutely love uh, by the way or saying you know what let's go for a hike in the expenditure there i would say it's much more fulfilling but if we're talking about convenience as opposed to effort i would say this all is reorienting our lives towards more. I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, you know that your life is geared. The I, I wonder what that would be. I have no stat on that and I haven't judged it for myself. It's easier to look at the money we spend, but the time that you spend your family, Randy, on healthy lifestyle, these healthy decisions, as opposed to, I mean, we, we, it's going to equate to hours per week, per day. Right. I think for us, it's, it is sport oriented and hence, I'm also thinking about this through that lens that when there isn't a sport, we tend to, I think, go down an easy, convenient pathway as I'm thinking about that. You know, it's sure. easier to do a movie, but then during the season, it's a little frustrating and it's, you know, it puts more pressure on, on, on the parents of, to, you know, one's coaching and one's got to get the meal ready and then the kids get home later and the sleep issue becomes more of an issue. Um, how much time do we spend? Yeah, it's incalculable. And of course, that's part, that is what our life is and we are in it. And 
creating relationships and talking about it uh, mm-hmm. through all of that. Now with a, a 14-year-old that we're hoping will you know, make decisions in his own right that are better. And, and now as I'm thinking through this, of course, the spectrum of choice is infinite. And we could become very close to insinuating that other people need to live like we do. And I'm going to go back to the idea that, no, the, the, the responses to this are infinite. And I think the main one is to simply have a thoughtful response. Yeah. To consider deeply in your soul and as, as parents, uh, as a couple or as an individual or, or as whatever you are, to be mindfully aware of what all of this stuff means and not just say, oh, it's too expensive. Yeah. It costs too much to do that. Well, interestingly, I don't know. I bet you don't know this. I happen to see it online, which you're never online. So today is January 10th, 2020. I knew that Jan- one. January 10th. <laughs> it happened, somebody said it's National Quit Day. Oh. This, statistically, this is the day when people give up their New Year's resolutions. Uh, so I'm going to go to... That's not what I was thinking. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it's people do quit something, but no, not their resolutions. No, they quit their resolutions. That's it. And now we're back to uh, payoff, you know, and motive. So here we are talking and I think people can clearly hear we're not Pollyannian this. If anything, we're lamenting with you. We're commiserating that this is now, obviously though, on the other side of that is what is the payoff? And I remember that from day one, we were newlyweds. Um, we were vegan at the time, but we were very devoted to our, our, our dietary health. And we were really kind of on that kick for the first time, had our first kid. And so fast forward a year or two or whatever, we were at somebody's house and their kid was constantly sick, constantly crying. And they're feeding the kid junk, this little baby, uh, just, you know, processed junk. And I never forget the girl saying, I can't, I can't believe you guys spend, you know, invest so much. Like you guys, you know, she was upholding us. Like you spend so much and, and are so disciplined to deal, to, to live this healthy lifestyle. And I'm looking at their kid go, man, I am way less tolerant than you are. I am not uh, disciplined enough withstand to withstand that, that, yeah. that, that snotty, crying kid. Okay. So that, you know, is not fair across the board. Maybe the kid had something else wrong with him, but it it looked pretty, it looked pretty clear, but I have seen that play out where, you know, what is the cost of not doing this? That's what we had to say. So if you decide, I don't want to spend them, or I'd rather not spend the money. I'd rather not spend the time. There is a cost to that. And you, it it pays your bills. I mean, unfortunately, right. Unfortunately, those people are now paying me. They're now paying you. And it is a lot, a lot of money. Uh, to try to reverse that. Of course, everybody who's not, who's in the same predicament is just succumbing to they're submitting until there's enough pain to there's well, or to, or till they just slide into the nursing home, like you talk about. And you know, what is the payoff? And I get to see it with my kids now. Now my, let's see my 25, 23, just turned 20 year olds who are now on their own and responsible are all, they know about health and they're following it. And they're proud of it and they think it's cool and they're vibrant and they don't, I had my, one of my daughters recently, she said, man, I can't remember the last time I was sick. It's not a guarantee that you won't get sick, but you're obviously going to help. And they're seeing the benefits. So there's my payoff for doing that in them. And obviously in my wife and I'm looking at our own payoff for our, our current, you know, health measurements and our vitality. And, and I depend on it because, I mean, we're doing this on the side of the rest of our lives. Thankfully we have the energy and the clarity to produce this. And that's the motivator to go back and we're going to finish this and we're going to finish our work and we're going to go home tonight and 
cook the meal and make enough for leftovers the next day for everybody. And there's our reorientation. And I, in my thought it is all, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. I probably will have a bowl of ice cream. I'm looking forward to the playoffs and those kinds of things. It's not to, to insinuate that none of these things can't, can be had, but it's, you know, we'll, uh, we addressed it in, in shows previously, but striving after that individual unique balance. Of, I bet you'll pay more for Breyer's natural ice cream, won't you? I, I will. You will. Isn't and that funny? And that is now I have it. We don't even look at any of the others. But, I've looked at every it's the only one. It's, it's the only one. Breyer's. Yes. Na- yeah, folks, if you, if you guys know Breyer's vanilla, which vanilla, I mean, how lame. But it's, well, it's, there's actually two. Is there? So there's the vanilla one and then the mint chocolate chip. You know what I think chocolate is too. There may be another. But also, Briars has a lot that isn't. I know the high fructose corn syrup. That's what I was going to say. You shocked? We're going off on a tangent here. (laughs) You can get go get Briars vanilla and look at the ingredients, and there's fifteen or twenty of them, including corn syrup, which irritates me to no end, and all this junk. But the Briars natural literally says natural on it. I think has five ingredients, and it's sugar, but no. Corn, no corn right. product. It's cream, sugar, and the things that you need to make ice cream. Yeah. But there's I'm, expensive ice creams like Bluebell. It's supposed to be the top-notch well, thing. Well, or Haagen-Dazs. And, and it's uh, corn syrup and crap. And they all, yeah, Haagen-Dazs does two and Tillamook and, and those specialty ones. Yeah. You know, we did uh, go to natural grocers over here and look at those in there. And sure enough, they are better. Mm. And compared to Briars, a few of the Briars ones, but though they're twice as much. Mm-hmm. And so that's where our family were like, okay, you get some of my kids. There's, if we have ice cream, there's two choices, yeah, right? There's not 20 mm-hmm. and, and they're happy with, you it. know, it's interesting. My kids used to add stuff to it, throw some chocolate chips, do whatever. But these days I don't even see them do that. Well, so you're going to go get ice cream. I am struggling with dairy, um, lately and I over way overdid it during the holidays. And I think it, it probably built up a little bit more. So I am not, but I will be going to the wine store. Uh, and I'll be getting, uh, there's a new organic, I have, to, I have to show you the picture. I can't remember what it was, but there's a new organic one. They they got a Cabernet and a Merlot that I like, and I'll pay more. So you're going to pay, pay more for your ice cream. And I'm going to pay more for mine. Um, you know, you probably won't, uh, you know, in general, when we, when we pay more, we tend to consume a little less often when you buy the, the fancy cheese, you have a little block of it and not the, mm-hmm. you know, as much as that, but, uh, well, even know, on that, cause I'm, I'm going to st- stop you there because I love this one. Uh, and my two favorite muses there are wine and chocolate. Yeah. And, you know, very easy to go overboard. Very easy to become addicted. Very easy for this to become a daily thing or whatever. And I would look at people and say, okay, look, let price become a help. Yeah, true. And, and don't buy anything less than a $20 bottle of wine. And instead of having it multiple times a week, have it once a week or once a month or whatever your budget um, you're told. I remember the days of buying cheap box wine, but then there's a big box up there, man. You let it flow. When you buy a $20 bottle of wine, I'm going to have a small cup. That's, I'm going to swirl and sniff and enjoy. Yeah. And I bet, because, yeah, that's right. We used to do that. I haven't bought box wine in, in years. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, the same thing with chocolate. So over, um, we went on vacation and we, we went to this chocolate farm and... And I think I, from now on and forevermore, I've got my now my favorite chocolate brands and this idea of single-source chocolate and whatever. But, okay, so it's a $10 bar of chocolate, and you don't spend the same – you spend the same amount, but I have less. Well, you had it recently, and you crack off a little square for me and for you, and then we taste and it and enjoy it. And you get snobby, yeah. right? Like, hey, you know, 
And that took a while. But when I say that, when I say we each enjoyed it, I remember people saying like, you know, things, stupid things like that. You know, I, I enjoy just a little square of chocolate. I'm going to mean, you Whatever. are nuts. I what enjoy is the wrong bar. with you? That's <laughs> yeah. communist. Uh, you know, I want, if I'm going to have chocolate, I want, yeah, a bowl of chocolate. It's changed. Yeah. And this is like back to what you said. It's a, been a slow, a slow process. Yes. For me, I remember Denver, my, my old partner years ago and, and, uh, you know, hard charging life. He was smoking, whatever else, had a heart attack at 35. And then he said the first best or the first change I made was going from a 12 pack of Pepsi every day to Gatorade, which is not a great step up. Not a great step, but, but it's a step. step. Okay. And for me, I remember the first times of bypassing and in college and med school, it was Burger King. And I remember the first times of the pain of saying, oh, okay, let's not. And now for the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I haven't thought twice about, well, we drive past them every day, but <laughs> I don't think twice yeah. about going in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, so there, it is a process, you know, and, and one of my things just on this that I, I so often as we're talking about these health things want to showcase, I hope we do that, that we're sure not up on a platform of, uh, of self-righteous. We're like, we're in the struggle and I am, I have my vices mm-hmm. that I struggle, you know, with they, like you talking about chocolate and there are very few lunch or dinners that I ever do that I don't have at least a little chocolate. I mean, is it an addiction? I mean, it's not killing me, but but I've made it a better addiction. I think that's my point. Is so instead of the the bowl of cheap ice cream or the bag of chips or, or whatever, it is a square or two of high quality, uh, you know, as healthy as can be. Like you said, single source chocolate. That that reminded me of of one book title that I appreciate. It's you use the word addiction. I'm going to change it and say, you know, we are made. All humans are made to crave. Yeah, we crave. And so that is not wrong. That is, that is not wrong. And, and, of course, we use the examples like we crave sex. We crave these other things. But like with sex, that doesn't mean you go have it with everybody all the time and regardless of circumstances or whatever. No, there's a right time and a place and circumstance, and it's protected. And when it co- we are also made to crave convenience. But when mm-hmm. convenience starts to then become the addiction mm-hmm. and the controlling factor, then you are suffering even though many people don't, don't realize that. And so we're made to crave, but we're also free and thinking individuals. And so that's where we're back to the put the awareness thoughts in your head and with wisdom and conscientiousness to your budget and your, the people in your family, you direct your cravings, which equals more satisfaction and fulfillment, not less. I agree. And on that note, too, I think you know we could have started the show with this. This does, we mentioned it a minute ago, it still comes, it comes down to motive. What is your motive? What is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? Because if I don't have that guiding me, then I'm going to go to Starbucks every single morning, even though I know it costs too much money, you know, to do that every day. And it's just unnecessary. And, uh, and it actually makes the Starbucks less special. It, you're totally right. You're totally right. I just went through a month of, I think I went twice. It was over the holidays and stuff. So it wasn't as tempting and I wasn't in town as much, but I was also trying not to. We went this morning. I very much enjoyed my venti Americana. See, ours is the opposite. I think it's the opposite for everybody else. Yep. When it's holidays, you guys kind of hovel up in your home up there. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else goes to Starbucks twice yeah. as much. 
Well, I, I always mean, had people with me, so I'm going to stop by Starbucks and buy it for 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just pass by Starbucks, make coffee in the car and a French press. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, you're, you're, you're so right. And, and, you know, for me, I gotta, I've, we've talked about this for years. I have to watch alcohol. I mean, at night, I would like to every night go home and enjoy a glass of wine and really like to enjoy two. And I wouldn't mind a third. I just can't do that. It, it, it hurts my sleep, but that's the biggest motivator for me or, or the biggest consequence is I know it lessens my sleep because I know not, I know how not to drink to excess from a, a, a what, you know, from being an E-rated or whatever uh, side, but I can sit there and sip and sip and sip. But I know then that that's in my body. Now my liver's going to focus on that and I can watch my, my sleep, you know, monitor my wearable device and see my sleep is less. And mm -hmm. that means today I wake up that next day with my performance, my energy, my output, my clarity less. And I was going to say, I can't afford it. Even if I can't, I don't want that. I well, want I was, was going to say for somebody who says, Oh, well I can have two glasses a night and I sleep fine. I would come in and say, you know, you can sleep better. You, you right. Even at a level where you can't perceive it, that if we go back to that 60 year lens from 20 to 80, that, the kind of mind you're going to have from 65 to 85 is going to be different after 40 years of two glasses a night. Well, I would still, but I would still argue it. I would say it may be you sleep fine according to what you know, but if you went for 30 days with no alcohol uh, and no, no junk at night, sugar, whatever, and you wore a, an aura ring or a, I have a Garmin, you know, whatever, a Fitbit or whatever you want to wear that, whatever that one that will track your sleep, your deep sleep, your light sleep, your REM sleep, whatever. And you track it and then you go back into the night nightly uh, alcohol and we could probably say the same thing for sugar, you know, late at night too. And then look at it. I just can't hardly not bet a thousand dollars cash that it will lessen. So you may be performing at a level that you're okay with. Could you perform better? And if, you, is the cost high enough to you? Well, I was going to say you and I have bet a whole lot of time and money on true life protect this other business betting on the fact that people who think that way, live that way true. are a lower risk. And I want to share my healthcare costs with those people That's as true. opposed to people who just don't think about it. That is true. That is true. Well, I hope we did justice to uh, the realities of the expense. We commiserate <laughs> with it and uh, ultimately struggle, struggle with it. Mm -hmm. It is a struggle, but ultimately, obviously, we believe we've experienced and are living in the payoff, and it is far high enough. It's a good investment. It's a good investment. It's worth there it. it is. Friends, I hope this episode has helped your perspective on the true and perceived cost of claiming a healthier life and lifestyle. And again, maybe you have someone in mind who would benefit from hearing this, and it may be uh, someone close to you in your household, your spouse or your family, and talk about how to do this and to uh, just to deal with, again, the increased time and money that pursuing wellness takes. Thank you again for choosing to tune in to the self-helpful podcast. If you got value, let us know, leave a review uh, and tell, tell us what you thought about this episode. Let other people know. Best thing you can do is take something you learned today and talk about it with someone else. I sincerely hope I've helped you today. Help yourself so that you can also help others.